0: Hello FPL Managers, welcome to the 9th episode of the FPL Optimized Podcast. This is the podcast in which we combine analytics with the good old eye test. I'm Sartalp, the data scientist, and my guest today is Jan, the expected minutes magician. Data or grass, or data and grass, that's the question. Thanks for tuning in again. FPL fever is coming back slowly, with everyone sharing their draft in Twitter and Reddit. We have managed to pass 5k downloads and for that we thank you. My co-host Bas is on vacation in Greece and relaxing before the new season. Since I have found this chance, I have invited an analytics focused FPL manager for today's episode. Jan Kepski is joining us from Poznan, Poland. On Twitter, it is FPL underscore J-A-N. This will be Jan's ninth year playing FPL and we will pick his brain to learn the secrets in today's episode. I have written an introductory thread about Jan in Twitter. Just check it out if you are interested to learn more about him. This will be a question-answer session with Jan. But before we start, let's hear from Jan. Jan, could you introduce yourself briefly and give us a background about your FPL experience, things like how have you started playing FPL, and how do you
1: play in general? Hi, Sotolp and everyone listening. Firstly, thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. I'm still quite surprised that you wanted to do this, to be honest. (laughs) I hope it will be half as interesting as the other content that you produce, and you produce so much and the quality always goes hand-in-hand with the quantity. It's just Mm -hmm. amazing to see, and I have no idea how you do this. Anyway, uh, coming back to myself, I started playing when I was quite young, more stupid than now, and not that interested in the Premier League yet. Mm -hmm. Back then, uh, I was probably more focused on football in general, and the Polish League, more than Mm -hmm. the Premier League. I think I first came across FPL uh, on the forum, related to a simple browser game, called Hagsball, where someone just posted uh, a link to it and challenged the others to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at first, uh, I certainly played like someone who, who you would call a casual now, taking a lot of hits, uh, forgetting about the deadlines, <laughs> looking at all the right, wrong things. I think I didn't even finish the first season. I stopped playing a few months be- before mm-hmm. the end. And I think in the summer following my, my first season, I got a little bit more, uh, more into it. I found Fantasy Football Scout, the website, Mm -hmm. and uh, also a Polish website forum uh, about FPL and I think even Twitter, but I didn't use it as much as uh, uh, now, back then, Mm -hmm. so I started to take it a little bit more seriously, and ever since then, my my play style has evolved probably every year, Mm -hmm. analytically, I, I started with book results and comparing stuff like clean sheet probabilities. Mm-hmm. Then I added some raw XG data, firstly mm-hmm. from understat, then I, then I moved to FB mm-hmm. And then in the end, like two years ago maybe, or uh, I added predictive models so, or model really because mm-hmm. I don't really use any other than FPL review massive data. Mm-hmm. And how are you doing? Already excited for the new season? I am, I am very
0: excited for the new season. I mean, there's always the anticipation at the beginning of the season, right? Because, I mean, like, you think you learned the lessons from the last season and you are eager to apply what you learned in the last season to this, you know, upcoming season. So I'm excited like everyone else, but let's, yeah, <laughs> let's talk about it after maybe eight game weeks and I will be like, probably crying in the corner saying that I got unlucky again. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think
1: you got lucky last season maybe you can't can can't, can't, can't complain Yeah
0: like this season I was pretty lucky yeah I can't complain <laughs> you're right but the, my in my first year I think I was playing well well I was also learning the game but I had some unlucky moments especially with the Foden and Gundogan pick I mean I, I I was in the crowd who went with the uh, Foden and yeah that was sad
1: yeah, anyway, it's new season, so we start from scratch, from zero, and let's just hope we both get lucky again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we have new mistakes to make. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's amazing. So we will talk about your analytics play style in a bit. And since Bus is not here, I was planning to skip the transfer coverage. Uh, but luckily, uh, I was uh, talking to Jan about it, and he stepped up. Okay, I will turn it over to you. Help us to have a look at through the transfer window.
1: All right, thank you. So here it goes alphabetically, uh, as is your tradition so far. Mm-hmm. So we are, we'll talk only about the confirmed transfers in this segment. Confirmed as of the, the moment we are recording this pod. So, so Tuesday, 12th of July. Mm-hmm. And so we will start with Aston Villa, who have signed Ludwig Augustinsson, a left back from Sevilla. He wasn't great for Sevilla last year, and they were happy to, to get rid of him. I think mm-hmm. in terms of FPL, he will just be a, a backup for Digne because they needed one after selling Matt Target to, to Newcastle, mm-hmm. and he he won't be uh, relevant at least for the start or, or at least until Digne gets injured. Hopefully he doesn't, but maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we can mm-hmm. move on to Brentford who have signed Aaron Hickey and his price has already got uh, released. It's 5-0 uh, okay. in FPL. He is a 20-year-old fullback from Scotland, coming from Italian Serie A, coming from Bologna. Yeah, he costs a bit, about 22 million euros, so quite a hefty price for, for a club like Brentford. and
2: mm-hmm.
1: definitely investing in his potential here, since he's so young. He is a player who is uniquely two-footed, especially mm-hmm. for a fullback, and can go inside or outside when receiving the ball near the touchline. He has a good turning radius, ball manipulation, and and wide variety of passing angles, which mm-hmm. all makes him difficult to press for the opponents. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can b- play on both sides, uh, thankfully, due to his due, due to his uh, to put itness. But I think Brentford are signing him mostly for the right side because on the left they have Rico Henry, who is quite capable at the Premier League level, mm-hmm. and on the right last season they started with the wing backs formation with Sergi Canos, who was uh, Pushed back from the wing. Uh, and then they finished the season in a 4 3 3 with Christopher Ayer, who was then usually a center back and the right back and wasn't in that great of a fit. So probably they needed reinforcements in, in the right back area. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Crystal Palace uh, has signed Sheikh Dukura from Lund, a 22 year old defensive midfielder. Uh, I think he's a huge upgrade on Kuyata and Milivojevic were playing there last season for crystal palace mm-hmm. That they, they were both big pressing traps for the opposition and ducure will help in the build-up he is good at defending space good at progressing the ball through both both through carries and passes but probably uh important to to note that he's definitely not uh, Conor gallagher with replacement and he doesn't have this offensive output so Interesting to see if Crystal Palace decide to sign another uh, attacking midfielder, maybe in the later stages of the transfer window.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then for Fulham, we have Andras Pereira, uh, who will play uh, probably as probably either number eight or ten for Fulham. And he is quite relevant for FPL, probably, mm-hmm. because he, he costs 4.5 million. And as of now, he probably looks for everyone as the, the 4.5 midfielder to, to pick. Yeah. And so I, I expect him to see, I expect to see him in many, many teams uh, mm-hmm. for the start of the season at least. Leeds uh, have signed Tyler Adams and Lu- Lu- Luis Sinisterra from RB Leipzig and uh, Feyenoord, respectively. They are replacements for Phillips and Rafinha. Adams very much a Jesse Marsh signing. He played him a lot at the beginning of the, last season when Marsh was the coach of. of RB Leipzig. Mm-hmm. Then his game time dropped a little bit after Marsh left. He's uh, quite a versatile, versatile player, can, blo- can play uh, in midfield in, in many different roles as well as on the right as right back or right wing back.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Sinistera is probably signed to, to replace Rafinha. He can, uh, he, he has similar flair and but plays on the on the left side because he's a right footed winger who usually likes to cut inside great dribbler and a threat both from goals and assists 6.5 million in fpl so probably a bit expensive to begin with despite Leeds fixtures mm-hmm. but maybe maybe he he'll be an option during the season men united have signed viral malasia also from fair note like sinis federal mm-hmm. probably a uh, eric and hack signing since since he knows him very well from era mm-hmm. uh, I've as of now united have left backs shaw uh, alex telles and, and malasia so maybe we can expect one of them to be sold i think uh, alex telles would be the most likely one mm-hmm. and malasia probably uh, might be an option uh, during the season if maybe shaw gets injured because he goes uh, 4.5 mm-hmm. then uh, nothing forest they signed two wing backs uh, for both sides nico williams and omar richards who seem very like like uh, who seem very much like uh, replacements for, for Jed Spence, who was loaned from Middlesbrough last season, and Jack Kolbach, who, who was playing as a left wingback for them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Then, uh, only two teams left, we, we have uh, Southampton and Joe Aribo, a very versatile player signed from uh, Glasgow Rangers, who will pl- probably play uh, as one of the offensive midfielders in Ralph Hudson Hills 2 2 2 and lastly, we have Tottenham and Clément who is who was signed as the le- left-sided centre-back for Antonio mm-hmm. Contes' uh, back-three. Certainly wasn't Spurs' first, uh, first choice uh, because it uh, looked like they were trying to sign uh, Joschko Gvardiol from RB Leipzig or, or Bastoni from Inter Milan but both of these moves didn't come to fruition because either to to, to being too expensive in, in Guardiola's case and uh, Bastoni didn't really want to leave Inter because he's a true Interista and didn't feel like it was the time to move yet despite mm-hmm. uh, despite Antonio Conte's influence uh, Longle is just alone at, le- at least for now probably makes sense because uh Ben davies was the only left-footed uh, option at this left side of the back three he's quite a modern defender uh worse at the worse at defending and and much better on the ball at progressing it both both through carries and passing mm-hmm. he has the potential to play high lofted balls into space to someone like son but also uh, his passing between the lines is quite good so I think he's an improvement on Davies, even if he wasn't the, the top option for the spice at the beginning of the transfer mm-hmm. window. Wow. That would be all, that would be all for, for this week.
0: Yeah, thanks a lot. Wow, that's that was some amazing coverage. I mean, Buzz should take a note of it, probably. Uh, so I have a question about this. So, like, when you talk about, you know, which food they are using or, or their, I don't know, like turning radius or, or other details, so do you know these players have you watched them or do you just check the
1: data how do you
0: know so much
1: i think from this list that uh, i provided here i I watched all of them at least once in my life okay okay so yeah like some of them of course more 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 prominently some less i mean like Longle, i think he he played for barcelona for for three seasons so i watched him quite quite many times but some others like like malasia for example i just uh so him I think maybe two two times in the conference league last season, so I don't know him that well,
0: okay, okay, wow, awesome, so okay, next question is anyone in this set of players, these new players that you are particularly interested and in, might get in game week one, Scott or maybe at one point in season, like you mentioned a few of them, but for the game week one, especially are you thinking yeah, for of the,
1: for the game week one, probably Andras Pereira as he's. Mm-hmm. His- He's already, I think, a popular choice in the community. Seems like the best 4.5 mid at the moment. So, yeah, I'm quite likely to have him in my game week 1 team unless something happens.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you a lot. And I'm sure Buzz is happy and smiling uh, on the beach when he listens to us. And next, our QA part with you. I have asked in Twitter for people to come up with questions, uh, they are curious about you and your playstyle. For those who don't know, Jan has amazing underlying stats as an FPL manager, and you might be thinking, oh there's underlying stats for FPL managers now, yes there are. <laughs> in FPL reviews massive data and general data ranks, uh, Jan has great uh, results. I think he has one of the highest chances of making it into top 1k or top hundred. I will, I should say. Yeah. By the way, you finished hundred at one season. Is it top hundred? Because by Andy's calculation, that's not how top top hundred, right? Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: The, the opinions are are split, but yeah, I I, I hope uh, in the <laughs> years to come it will it will count as top season top 100 finish. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I worked hard for it. Come on. <laughs>
0: Yeah, okay. As he mentioned, Jan pays attention to prediction models but also watches games and tracks lots of information. You also heard about his analysis of the transfer season uh, for the decision making. So that's why I call him a hybrid manager. I know you don't like the word but it's probably you are you know taking the best of both worlds. You know, having the data where you have the prediction data at the best source And you are also watching the game, collecting information. So, yeah, he's a unique manager in that regard. Okay, so starting with the first question Can you tell us how a typical game week goes for you? So, what's the first thing you do when it is time for thinking about FPL? So, and to make it simple, let's start with game week one. So, I'm also curious, how you do it when the season is ongoing but for your initial squad how you are planning to choose your initial 15 players
1: Uh, okay so for game week one i think like at the moment we are still so far ahead of the start that i don't really think about my possible team seriously yet Mm -hmm. Uh, i have tried a bit for the purpose of this spot though to be honest so yeah (laughs) I, i i know all the prices and so on but I haven't thought that much about the structures and, and yeah, uh, so yeah, at the moment just gathering information, waiting for for some things to happen because there's always uh, uh, some things that do happen during the the preseason. Like I remember last season, uh, before last season, for example, how andy robertson get, got mm-hmm. injured like a week True. before before the deadline before, before the first deadline and we all changed our teams or almost all of us to to accommodate simicas in them sure. so i i of course we don't wish uh injuries to to any of the players but they do happen and also new transfers into the league or out of the league might happen which will, which still might influence a lot of our decisions and of course i'm still waiting for for the massive data model uh, mm-hmm reviews massive data model to, to launch because it's the, the most important tool uh, to, that aids my decision making so i'm waiting for that but uh, gen- generally during the season how my how my week starts it's that it starts as soon as the deadline of the previous one passes really (laughs) because then i try to switch my attention to the future since Mm -hmm. i can't change my decisions you know retrospectively even if i think they were wrong Uh, so so yeah so that is not not to say that you can't think about your past decisions but it's always uh, difficult to think in hindsight and separate lack from skill there Mm -hmm. so generally as soon as that deadline hits i'm trying to move my uh, attention switch my attention to that to the future game weeks so uh, in a sense, there's not really a start or stop moment for me when thinking mm-hmm. about FTL. I don't separate game weeks from each other that much. Uh, so this yeah. process is quite fluid in that regard. But I think uh, F- always many, many game weeks ahead. OK. Uh, and then after the deadline hits, I just watch some games usually, sometimes Mm -hmm. uh, maybe all of the televised ones during the week, sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe only the bigger games that I'm most interested in. And of course, there are also weeks where I don't watch any football at all. Mm, And then I maybe, uh, maybe things happen during that game week. Maybe someone gets injured. Maybe uh, someone is dropped suddenly from the team out of favor. Uh, that, so then I wait for the game, uh, midweek games if they happen. If, yeah. if, it's, if it's already in the Champions League season and so on, wait for the usually. Usually then I wait for the press conferences or any other news that might drop in the week. You know, nothing, nothing really crazy. Okay. And then and then I make a decision. Yeah.
0: Wow, so it's a continuous game for you. So you are constantly yeah, 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 thinking very, about FPL.
1: Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, not not all the, not all the time, but I don't have these <laughs> periods during the week when where I think more or less. Of course, of course, the usually the last day, maybe before before the deadline, I will think about a little bit more. So mm-hmm. usually, oh, maybe Friday afternoon, Friday evening, Saturday morning. At least in my time zone, at least in Europe. okay. Okay. I I will think about it a little bit more, but generally as soon as the the line hits, I'm trying to switch my attention to the future game weeks.
0: Okay, and going back to the game week one selection, suppose the massive data model comes out and you check the top 15 players, it suggested you 15 players. So among those players, so... What's the next thing you do? So you obviously you know a lot about you know which positions they play, if they have any replacement. But are you also checking if you know if something happens to this player, I can easily replace him? So kind of like the price points are they important, or are, are you only focusing on the model outcome?
1: Okay, yeah. So the the first thing to to underline probably for, for all of the people listen, all of the people listening is that I I will change their minutes uh, according to my own beliefs, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I think every week I, I find some players where I would, where, about, uh, which I would disagree with the crowd. Uh, mm-hmm. so I would, I would provide my own inputs and see how, how it changes. The, the EV of the players, the, the mm-hmm. expected value and then uh, about the price points, uh, okay. So I, I think, uh, at the beginning I would just try to find the, the highest EV squad possible. Mm-hmm. And then maybe see if there are uh, if there are many uh, if there are any trade-offs that I can do in order to to accommodate some future transfers for flexibility. But it's quite difficult, I think, to assess how much how much expected value you can sacrifice in order to have some higher yes. bigger bigger flexibility in, in your team. Yes. So that, there's not there's no easy answer here, I think. Uh, in, regards to this season, uh, uh, I've seen that a lot of people are, are talking about the 8 million midfielder price point mm-hmm. because, because uh, in every top 16 we have an option at that price and so we might expe- expect uh, some of them to, to, to be in high demand uh, early in the season. So maybe it might be reasonable to, to start with one of them. Uh, in, in this team that I quickly put together over yeah. the last week, I, I have actually Houdin, but mm-hmm. not not really because he's exactly 8.8 uh, 8, 8 million more. Because I think that he's uh, a great option uh, okay. as of now.
0: And do you schedule any transfers in advance when you are creating your squad?
1: And uh, for the uh, game week one.
0: Yeah, team? I mean, yeah. When you are creating your game week one team, do you like do you say that okay? In game week four, I will buy this player and you know make him my. Okay, so,
1: so I right? don't uh, set them in stone, but mm-hmm. uh, but I definitely think about some fixture swings. Yeah, okay. That some might, ha- that, might that might happen soon, and then I just might remember, rem- remember the, the options that. Uh, uh, might be possible to, to to do in the in the next few uh, game weeks but it, it is like this throughout the whole season really where i okay. just scan, where i just scan the fixtures you know a few weeks or a few months ahead and look look for any fixture swings uh, and try to find the players that will become options at this particular time okay uh, so it, the game week one it's not that different from the rest of the seasons or so from the rest of the season
0: Okay. I mean, it looks like you have some really healthy mentality when it comes to FPL and decision making. And earlier you have also mentioned that your rank doesn't affect you too much when I was asking you initial questions uh, in Twitter. And, well, obviously FPL has lots of ups and downs. Sometimes gaming goes so well, sometimes not. And you're a very talented manager. And my question is, how do you keep yourself... Uh, from getting tilted like how do you like don't you ever get upset with some of the results you think that you spend enough time to find the perfect player and that player gets injured suddenly so don't you get
1: upset so what do you think okay f- thank you for the uh, praise uh, firstly. <laughs> uh, and then yeah I-, I would be lying if i said that it doesn't uh, affect me whatsoever mm-hmm. but uh Truthfully, that the main enjoyment that I get from the game is from thinking about my team and mm-hmm. how to best proceed with it every week. I'm much mm-hmm. more focused on the process than than on the the outcome. Truthfully, mm-hmm. so uh, the important part uh, for me is to realize uh, even before the start of the season or, be, or before before the game any given game week that football and entire uh, FPL. Is a low scoring and high variance game yeah. which means that over a small sample uh, the deviations from expected probability are quite common right mm-hmm, that's true. and so the, the the bliss of believing that over the bigger bigger sample mm-hmm. uh, it gets more and more increasingly unlikely <laughs> it helps me so so then if you if you set out to to play over a over a lo- longer period of time like years or or maybe decades uh, your you know your strategic advantage should okay. prevail over randomness and the, the law of large numbers I think helps here that, yeah. that you just, just be- believe in that if you play long enough you, your, your skill will shine through okay
2: okay yeah so yes yeah. so yeah, yeah uh,
1: just knowing the nature of the game that every week is a kind of spin of the wheel or or, or, or a roll of the dice as sigurd uh, said mm-hmm. once yeah, yeah. It, it helps because the, the time and effort that you spend on FPL they don't necessarily guarantee you success they just yeah. increase your chances for success the probability of, of good outcome but they don't definitely don't guarantee it yeah yeah, well, yeah. so for feeling bad about that the after a, a bad game week there are also the effects of social media probably mm-hmm, every week mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the high scores will always be more prominent than the low ones. Mm-hmm. And because we are all as humans more likely to post our, our <laughs> good, good, good and bad scores. And it might just create an illusion where of you doing worse than you are doing in reality. Mm-hmm. If you, if you see all of those great scores around you. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. that, that does, uh, if, that would affect me, then I would probably take a bit take a bit of a step back after a bad game week
0: mm-hmm. and
1: come back with a clearer mind. but thankfully it doesn't really affect me. Okay. But, it would, but that's what I would advise to anyone who, who struggles with that. And for me personally, uh, reducing the number of sources and opinions to the minimum r- mm-hmm. really helps. So the general uh, cacophony around you uh, mm-hmm. in the FPL season, I don't follow many people. I don't uh, consume much of FPL content, and and those people that I actually do follow, mm-hmm. uh, I genuinely like them. So I wish <laughs> them well. I, I wish them well, uh, and I'm genuinely happy to to see their success, uh, uh, even in the weeks that are not going that well for me. So seeing so many of my friends finish the season strongly was, uh, you know, like a bit of a consolation. -hmm. Last season, like seeing you finish Mm -hmm. uh, finishing so so great, you know, put a smile on my face rather than you know uh, disappoint me. So that that's great to see people you like doing well
0: in that game. Oh, that's amazing! Wow, very well said. Okay, perfect. My next question is this: so um, if someone is interested in playing like you do, and suppose they are totally new to data, stats, prediction models, all that jazz and if they're playing casually. So what would you be your advice to them? So what's the first thing that you can think someone should know? Do you have any, you know, I wish I knew this when I have started playing FPL kind of tips?
1: Mm -hmm. So uh, I think uh, I would start with uh, the realization of how much noise there is in smaller samples of Mm -hmm. data or in the F-word. Uh, <laughs> uh, also not looking for narratives, or at least not actively looking for narratives and the anchoring mm-hmm. bias where you find one bit of information and you try to hang on to that and reference all the other all, all the other info that you get throughout the week with that in mind. Mm-hmm. And then uh, knowing which stats are more predictive and repeatable than the others. Okay. So uh, cutting out shots on target, shots in the box, and so mm-hmm. on uh, helped me, definitely. Mm-hmm. Since I find them useless uh, at the moment, and probably <laughs> when I started playing eight years ago, uh, you know, I, I was uh, interested in, in following them. And if you are looking at r- raw data, like like shots in the box, shots on target, and so on, just I think just looking at XG is all that you need, really.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's true. Okay. Perfect. Alright, now questions from Twitter. The first one is from Late Riser Twelve or Prenil, the co-host of the FPL wire show, asks Since Jan is a hybrid manager, has there ever been a situation when the data and the eye tests do not match up? Any given such a situation has he ever met against data when he sees something intangible
1: that's possibly an edge okay so i would start by saying that uh, for the people that don't know me that well which is mm-hmm. almost everyone probably uh branding me as a hybrid manager might be a bit misleading maybe <laughs> i'm sorry about but it. that was my doing <laughs> but yeah the, the first thing to mention here would be probably that uh Football analytics in general, not only uh, related to FPL, has in many ways changed the, the way I perceive or, or watch football. Mm-hmm. Uh, because for example, nowadays when I see a striker missing a few, few good chances in a match, mm-hmm. uh, I, I will think that, oh, that's a great sign for the future. Mm-hmm. While in the past, it was more like, oh, he's wasteful. No way I'm going to buy him. So th- there's a bit of uh, a shift in my, in my thinking because Mm. of football analytics i think so then uh, after a game i I can look at stats and they will usually tell me the same that uh, i've seen with my own eyes Uh, and the thing is that uh, i don't really trust myself to know better about how good the chances were than a well-trained model okay so in my head when i'm watching football there's no real difference between 0.5 or 0.6 xd chance i would have no idea myself how how to you know accurately pinpoint it so going back to the question uh if it's about the production rates or or Mm -hmm. the players baselines then not really i think like my what i see in the in watching football with my own eyes and then uh when looking at stats they usually the same thing when it comes to things like chances or who is looking dangerous and they go uh, like uh, they go in line with each other stats and my eyes okay however the the uh, eye test and watching football thing uh helps me with the minute stuff definitely that i'm so you know Good uh, keen, key, keen keen on <laughs> and, and and that's where my subjective view of football possibly uh, comes in mm-hmm. where uh, simply speaking i can rate someone's performance well and then i would increase their minutes expectation because of that because of uh, because i just thought that they well they played good they will keep the their spot in the team so same with watching how the substitutions might affect the game like if there's a one-to-one winger uh, chance wingers up. Does he, does the player coming on stay on the same slide or maybe do they switch and how that might affect the, the future uh, X means. I see all, although like thinking about it now uh, from last season, there's some, mm-hmm. uh, some of my, I uh, think, I test uh, realizations that I implemented maybe with was uh, there was an injury crisis at Arsenal toward mm-hmm. the end of the season. You will probably remember.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, and they missed uh, Thomas Partey, uh, Tierney, White, Tomiyasu, and yeah, a couple yeah. of other players. And mo- models at that time was still rating Bukayo Saka very highly as one mm-hmm. of the possible, possibly captainable players. And then uh, double game week 33, I think mm-hmm. it was. Whereas I was a bit skeptical at the time because knowing him and knowing arsenal and knowing arteta i thought that there was an added uncertainty around his position
2: Mm -hmm.
1: not necessarily from the start of a game but during the game where where the substitution effects are uh, increasing Mm -hmm. and he indeed indeed finished one of the games in that double game week as basically a right back or or just Mm -hmm. covering the whole right flank for Mm -hmm. himself It was against Southampton. And then in that same double game week against Chelsea, it was, uh, he took a a penalty at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. And watching the game, we we could see that uh, Gabriel Martinelli was Mm -hmm. the one who initially picked up the ball, Mm -hmm. And then Saka just took it from him. And and after the game, uh, Arteta also said that he was surprised to see that that, and that he expected Martinelli to take it then i think one week or two weeks later saka took another one against united Mm -hmm. but martinelli wasn't on the pitch at that time and in the last game week of the season against everton martinelli took one with saka on the pitch (laughs) Yeah, sorry and it could be a surprise for some uh, but watching that first uh, game against chelsea when you know we could see that Martinelli was the one in, who initially picked up the ball it wasn't okay. that big of a surprise for me so that's why i also think that. uh yeah coming back to it i think that's it's that's an interesting situation about uh related to penalties at yeah. Arsenal this season and uh, because i would say that Martinelli is ahead of this ahead of Saka like uh considering what i just talked about but there's okay. also Gabriel Jesus coming in whose record isn't that that uh, great to say the least at at city but he's still he still is coming he's still coming in as this star yeah. striker and and you know the main man for arsenal probably so it will be interesting to see who who takes them for for arsenal next season
0: okay so yeah watching games then gives you the context about these numbers which you use it to your advan- advantage whether it could be the penalty order or the expected minutes prediction okay that's Fascinating to hear, actually. Okay, the next question is from Arne Barsnes, asking How do we feel about bench from game week 1 up until wildcard 1 activation? So, yeah, what do you think, Jan? So, obviously the 5 substitution rule means bench is less important because there will be more chances of getting at least a few minutes of play time and blocking your auto-sub. Are you planning to go with a weaker bench? Then, I mean, obviously you are waiting for (laughs) FBI review to release his model, but uh, what is your initial thinking? Do you think you will have some solid options on the bench to rotate or not?
1: Okay, so maybe let's start by saying that maybe there's no need to uh, uh, think about your team as to separate entities so mm-hmm. the first 11 and bench mm-hmm. and i think a rotatable squad of 13 or 14 players maybe disregarding that the second goalkeeper mm-hmm. uh, is always a viable option and the one that i think solvers uh, like to suggest actually because i remember even uh, last season and uh, the kind of analytics template was was the the more of more on the rotation side yeah uh, yeah but yeah going uh assuming that we put the money into the first 11. Mm-hmm. i don't have any actual rules since uh it depends on the players in that first 11 that you choose so if you have riskier players with higher uncertainty surrounding their minutes let's say one city meets meets like foden then they then you should probably have higher weighting on your bench compared to if you had someone like Bowen uh, in that, yeah. uh, that same spot, since even if he's for some reason benched, he would probably come on. Meanwhile, Foden, I mean, there's always a real chance that he will play zero minutes because that's how that, that's how Pep uh, rolls, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it de- very much depends on the f- players in that first eleven for me. If you have more, on, if you are more on the riskier sides there, riskier side there, uh, or, or more established players with with certainty
0: okay okay perfect and uh, next question is from luke it is Scott underscore luke on twitter asked i know it's impossible to answer without specifics but how many fixtures do you think is enough required to make a judgment on a player and by who's performing extremely well on underlyings when previously not doing so assume fixtures were and continue to be good so and this question actually comes up a lot uh so what's your strategy in general so do you usually wait uh when it happens or do you just follow expected points of that player yeah
1: so in regard to the number of fixtures needed i think there's unfortunately well or maybe fortunately since the game would be too easy in that case Mm -hmm. that there's no magical (laughs) formula that we can follow and always worth noting that very tiny samples like three game weeks will be or can be uh, distorted uh, even by just individual moments like, mm-hmm. like tap-ins or open goals situations so uh if there's a new environment for the players like a new team uh, because of a transfer a new position or a new manager like now at united for example i think we can we can be more optimistic then that it's a real improvement of the underlyings and not just randomness mm-hmm. uh, as for randomness i i remember adama traure from last season anecdotally mm-hmm. uh, good underlying stats in the first three game weeks and people were starting to hy- hype him up a bit until we know how it ended mm-hmm. so, so so yeah the, the smaller the sample the, the riskier it is to, to lean on it so it just uh depends a bit on, on your risk preference, really, or how much you really think that you noticed a, a trend in, while, while you were watching football, or while, while these new supposedly new underlyings are, are appearing. Yeah. But, I uh, yeah, this season, I, I, I think around, I mean, the game week nine looks like a popular choice, as of now, at least, for, for the first game week, for the first wildcard to mm-hmm. play so i think whilst while we will have that data from the first eight game weeks it might be enough to tentatively draw some conclusions from it from mm-hmm. it so yeah that, that's how that's why uh waiting at least a few weeks with the first wild card usually is beneficial because you have the the sample size and that you can at least a little bit rely on yeah but uh generally i uh, generally i would pr- follow projected points okay uh, and to, to completely disregard a, a model that i trust i'd have to be very very convinced about my own beliefs which doesn't happen often nowadays or uh, <laughs> hardly ever <laughs> i'm becoming i'm becoming you know like an expected value slave i guess more and more <laughs>
0: yeah there's nothing wrong about that <laughs> Okay, next question is from Abdul, FPL underscore Salah, asked What other resources do you use apart from watching games to clue up on players expected minutes, positional shifts and general info? Do you scout team forums, etc.? So I, I think this is a perfect question to ask because obviously, I mean, you are getting your data from somewhere and i understand you it's an exhausting process too you digest lots of stuff but so what are your main sources here
1: okay i mean, not not at all it's not not an exhausting process for me at mm-hmm. least because i just like it i i think i'm in nature uh, quite an inquisitive person mm-hmm. detail-oriented and and have A good memory for the details for for Mm -hmm. the most useless stuff like i remember you know hundreds of (laughs) hundreds of useless facts about footballers for example or some uh, other random facts about the world which which are not really needed uh, for for me but that's how my brain operates i guess (laughs) and but yeah sorry to disappoint maybe anyone who who was hoping for some something special but i don't think that i do anything out of the ordinary Mm. Uh, Every week, I will look at all of the teams and their lineups, and then mm-hmm. their subs. Uh, a lot of the, uh, yeah. a lot of the expected minutes stuff will be looking at past minutes for me, with recent recent games weighted more heavily, of course, and but uh, always in the relevant context. So, which is pretty basic: who, who is injured, who is suspended, who who was potentially just rested after a midweek game, stuff like this. And, okay. uh, okay. Maybe one, one thing that I do when I'm interested in a player, okay, uh, I, <laughs> I don't know how popular it is, but it's almost like a, like a ritual for me now is I utilize the Twitter search function mm-hmm. and, and just type the name of the player there. And <laughs> you will often see things like articles from the press, quotes from the manager and fans opinions and et cetera. It sometimes okay. helps, but regarding the fans' opinions uh, a bit, I generally tend to be conscious uh, about them for, for a few reasons. Like one thing is that I realize that fans uh, tend to either overrate or underrate their teams and their players. True. and And the, the second uh, bit would be that there's a lot of wishful thinking in, mm-hmm. in regard to, to their predicted lineups, I think. So, and uh, they are often picking players they would want to see instead of the most probable options so yeah in that sense maybe I, I, i'm actually quite happy that i don't really support any of the team in the league mm. but That the objectivity might help sometimes okay. or at least the desired of objectivity or the perceived objectivity because i'm not sure like no none of us is truly objective but they're yeah, just trying to be
0: okay so you're not rooting for any team, but are you like perfectly neutral? Like you don't... Yeah, even... no, no,
1: no. Of course, there are some teams that I like more or like less, but it just depends on the current circumstances, like the okay. current manager, current players, current play style. Yeah, things like that. Okay. Like, for so example, for this season, so like, do you example, have any teams? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, last season I, I really, really liked Crystal Palace, even though <laughs> two seasons ago I hated watching <laughs> them. And were... <laughs> so it, yes, it's quite, you know, it changes. From season to season, really.
0: Okay, okay. Awesome. Next one is from Kiwi. It's the FPL Kiwi on Twitter and asked, "What will, what will be your ideal addition to the FPL community, uh, in terms of content and why?" And Kiwi ended this question with a Kiwi emoji at the end as it's his signature. So what do you think about it? Obviously, the market is quite saturated now. There are lots of pods and people are sharing, I don't know, stats, data. But do you think there is anything we are missing?
1: Okay, I might not be the best person for this question because um, euphemistically speaking, I don't really consume FPL content in a Mm -hmm. traditional way. I'm trying to very much reduce that. But uh maybe books or or longer pieces of writing Mm -hmm. i know that some books have been published about FPL but but uh, i haven't come across any that would appeal to me yet Mm -hmm. at least so like no no disrespect to any of the offers but just not Mm -hmm. my cup of tea i guess so yeah maybe just longer pieces of writing that would that would be cool
0: yeah i mean with how, how much detail you remember maybe you can write some you can just
1: read wikipedia instead of me i
0: guess <laughs> <laughs> okay and next is from chase and asking after a very nice climb through ranks top 1k question mark between game weeks 26 to 30 jan had a very unlucky spell to finish the season would he approach the run differently next time? Jan fielded decimated team on several occasions. Maybe an expected value. Suboptimal surgery could have stopped the rut. So yeah, indeed this is a, also an interesting question. You got pretty unlucky towards the end of the season. And if I remember correctly, you were leading our analytics league at one point. And yeah, I think I was maybe,
1: like second or third maybe. I'm second.
0: not sure I, yeah. mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and I think we were racing
1: too. So I was—I I remember <laughs> talking to you about it. But yeah, there but you, you were always—you you had chips in your pockets, so I, I wasn't <laughs> really hoping to to finish ahead of you at any point.
0: Yeah. So as Chase asked, I mean, will you change anything? Were you simply just, you know, unlucky, or are you saying something like, "Oh, I have learned these lessons, and I will change my approach."
1: Okay. So one thing that i i thought about after the season ended and i kind of did a small review of it you know mm-hmm. personally was that i thought that i uh, was leaning too much on hive mind and mm-hmm. not speaking strictly about the reviews website HiveMind, but also just looking at twitter timeline or group chats and so on so so i wasn't i think confident enough in my ability to outperformed out, out, outperform an informed crowd on the mm-hmm. expected minutes front and yeah towards the, the end of the season I think I was definitely unlucky like literally every week I was getting new inju- injuries and bleeding expected value because of and because of that even my underlying ra- ranks suffered a lot so yeah. <laughs> not on. I'm not saying that to take to take pity from anyone really but it is what it is and in the previous seasons i was lucky so overall uh, ov- over my whole let's say fpl history i can't complain definitely so i think i wouldn't do an ev uh, suboptimal surgery because uh, in-, in the average uh, scenario in the average case i would do worse in, in terms of yeah. points scored which is always my main goal
2: okay
0: yeah i mean now you talk like a true ev slave which i like okay so i think this is our last question matrix FPL said ask young how does it feel to be the best FPL manager in the world so i'm asking how does it feel to be the best
1: <laughs> i i don't know <laughs> i i i I have, I have seen comments like this a few times now and i never know if the People are serious, or how to respond to them, because I, I obviously don't agree with that, and I find it a bit ridiculous. But but okay, it might feel nice, but I think I'm getting a bit overrated by people, and hopefully my last finish will uh, will tame that a little bit, like so I there won't be added pressure anymore and okay. yeah I, but talking about the, this notion of the best fpl manager i i always like to make a distinction between the best uh, in history looking at someone at people's history like fabio let's say mm-hmm. and the best at this very moment so someone i would bet on today or to tomorrow to finish next season strongly so yeah i think i'd go with fabio's alter ego here mr trout
0: (laughs) yeah i mean trout is an amazing player too i mean his decision making and he got unlucky unfortunately last season but yeah he's really good i mean yeah i think you're underestimating yourself a little bit because i remember from i think maybe two seasons ago your data rank was three right i think you
1: Uh, yeah four four Four, one sorry one uh behind the podium unfortunately
0: yeah i mean (laughs) being in top 10 in one of those lists i mean is sufficient enough to show that you know what you are doing okay so funny that you have mentioned about trout, and also we talked about you underestimating yourself so this is kind of as a final note uh in a group chat i was asked King, uh, Trout, Sigurd, Anthony and Dilksey about their favorite managers for the upcoming season. Like, who will finish the highest. It's also coming from the fact that Trout was a Fabio fan <laughs> for a little bit. And we each picked a manager of our choice, who we think will finish highest. And, well, Trout obviously picked Fabio. Uh, Sigurd picked Finsoli. Anthony picked uh, Mikkel. Tokwam and Dilsi pick Tom Dolimor. And my choice was you. (laughs) I think you will finish higher than all of these people here. So, I mean, that's how much I trust your ability and hoping that you get a good finish this season. Okay, that was it. Thanks, Jan a lot for joining me today. It was amazing to have you here. Thanks a lot Sertalp. It
1: was a pleasure for me as well and yeah good luck to, for the next season.
0: Thank you and thanks everyone for the questions and thanks for listening again. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you will get notified when the next episode comes out or follow us on Twitter. For me that's at Sertalp Bilal and for us it's at Belfi BB and once again our guest today was Jan Kapski. It is FPL underscore j a n on twitter and Buzz won't be here for the next week too and if all goes well i will have another guest or maybe guests next week so stay tuned about it and good luck with making your game week one plans and talk to you soon again bye
1: bye